0: Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. Today, my special guest is Ben Lyle, and we'll be talking about his soon to be released book, The Potentialist Your Future in the New Reality of the Next 30 Years. The next 30 years will include a seismic shift in well known institutions such as government, education, religion, news media, and reliance on employers. Ben Lytle looks at this new future through a lens of opportunity, not anxiety and fear, while emphasizing now is the time to take action for all of us, from single parents to major business CEOs in tech to fashion. Ben Lytle's book, The Potentialist, Your Future in the New Reality of the Next 30 Years, is a future shot for the 21st century explaining how every one of us can thrive during these rapid changes by becoming a potentialist. Former chair and CEO of Anthem Healthcare with current market value of more than $100 billion, Ben Lytle is a self-made serial entrepreneur CEO known for being ahead of the curve. Democratization is a part of that, and the only way to survive and react is to adapt. For more information, you can visit Ben's website, which is PotentialistFuture.com. That's P-O-T-E-N-T-I-A-L-I-S-T, PotentialistFuture.com. With that, I'd like to welcome Ben to the show. Good day, Ben. Hello, good day.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It is my pleasure, and and your book is one of those very thought-provoking style books that uh, one has to um, take and digest in, in small parts, you know, and to get a bigger picture. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about, about the book. Um, now, the book is due to be released a week from today, correct? So people can go ahead and pre-order now.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, It'll be released uh, for for purchase on uh, September 27th, and you can pre order now.
0: Great, great. So, let's start with, you know, the the title, the term, Potentialist, really caught my attention when when your publicist first contacted me. So, would you mind explaining uh, to the listeners a little bit um, about what what a potentialist is, and how does it differ from a futurist? Okay,
1: yeah, thank you. Uh, well, essentially, a potentialist is, is a person who just uh, possesses a set of uh, attitudes uh, about about life uh, and about not only their own life but but the, but the human race, uh, and, uh, and it's uh, and it's sort of so it's sort of a collection. Of, uh, of ideas, philosophies, but more important, how we how we act. And uh, and so, for example, uh, at at its core, uh, a, a potentialist uh, believes that tries to do their personal best, to be their personal best, and leave the world and the people that they meet along the way a little bit better than they found them. They don't they don't have to do magnificent things. They just do a little bit better than they found them. Uh, and, uh, and, and we believe that, uh, that, uh, the, the, the best days of the human race and our best days are in front of us, regardless of what your age is. Uh, and, uh, and we're, p- uh, uh, being, looking at the future. A futurist, uh, studies, a uh, typical futurist study the futures, uh, study the future of humanity, uh, whereas potentials, you know, we're more focused on our individual potential, but, but but it, they're part they're one and the same. So I am both a futurist and a and a and a, and a potentialist, and and so I, I think of them as one and the same. Uh, one is simply studying individuals and trying to be our individual best, and the other is trying to do what we can to get the best out of human out of the human race. So uh, so that hopefully that answers your question, and happy happy to follow you. up if you if more.
0: Yeah, no, it does. It, it seems that the uh, potentialist is um a, um kind of an active participant in that future where to me when it, as I was reading it to me it seemed like a futurist approach from a more of a, an observer kind of role. The, you're exactly
1: right. You're, that's that's a great observation. You're exactly right. So so over the since I was a very young man uh in my 20s I started uh, collecting stories, just notes and observations of incredible people that I met. Uh, you know, not just someone I thought would be incredible, but I think anybody. If you spent time with them and, and listened to them for a while, uh, some of them, of course, were historical figures. But 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 it was more I was meeting people like that in all walks of life. I mean, one of the people that I think is one of the greatest potentialists I ever met oh. isn't is today. She's. She's, a, she's an elderly lady, but she was an immigrant. Her, uh, her, uh, her, uh, gr- her, her biggest job was, was as a maid, a corporate maid, uh, but she has a remarkable life story, and she's done exactly, she has touched so many lives in a positive way and And she's given all she's got, and at this day at well over eighty years old, every day she gives up gets up and she gives her best to do her best to be her best and and uh, so you know that's that's what we look for
0: yeah yeah i was uh, i kind of had a a little bit of um resonance when I was reading about your your growing up and and uh, childhood of all the different jobs and and one of them you imitated was hailing um, hauling hay, <laughs> and that was like hauling hay, hell. Uh, I, I had to laugh because I spent, my, in my family, um, my mother's second husband, they had a farm, and one summer they thought, you know, it was really good. We're going to put Robert on the farm, <laughs> you know, and so show work is all that. And I'll tell you, hauling hay, lifting that hay, was well, I mean truly? That was when I I really committed myself to college. <laughs> I was definitely back was <laughs> this yeah. It, it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it.
1: Unfortunately, you know, these days people don't do that kind of work anymore. But believe me, in the in the in Texas heat, with about you know ninety five hundred degrees and ninety five percent humidity, uh, and lifting hay that then stuck to you and stung like crazy was really quite an experience. So.
0: Oh, Absolutely. absolutely. So, um, why why now, Ben? Why why write this story at this particular time? What is it about this period that you feel this this needs to be out there for people to ponder?
1: Well, we're at a we're at a, a critical phase, I think, in uh, in in the history of, of humanity. Uh, you know, we've we. Uh, we are in a transition. Uh, the, the World Economic Forum calls it the fourth industrial revolution. I actually think it's much, much more than that. But, uh, but you know, uh, people are are right now. Uh, I think pretty much everyone is distressed by the fact that uh, that we see so much division in the country, and 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 we feel a lot of people are fearful. Uh, A recent uh, news poll said 70% of the people polled said that they thought the future was going to be worse than today. Uh, And a lot of young people, uh, I've heard many, many young people say, I don't want to bring children in this world, this awful world. It's just not true. It is simply not true we live in the best time in history uh and 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 the, the the struggle with the division we're going through right now has occurred many many times in history and if you really study the arc of history which i've done uh we're, we're a 3 million year old species and it follows a very stable pattern of struggles division and then we we something better comes and that's what's happening now. And I felt uh, it really important to explain that, to look back and, and look, at the, look at the arc of history, look at what's happened before, explain this is simply a transition, and it's going to be better in the future. And the reason that it's so uh, difficult today for people to see that is that we have so many sources in our society that make money by dividing us and by make, make money by, by, by negativity uh, because that appeals to sort of a primal fear we have. So, but it's simply not true and so what I want to do is to help people see that there is a very, very positive future, in the, uh, future ahead of us, but it could be rough getting there and whether it's rough or it's not so rough and it's, and it's, and it's manageable depends on every single one of us. The the Calvary's not coming from somewhere else. It's not coming from government. It's not coming from somewhere else. It has to be us. We have to ourselves take a realistic, pragmatically optimistic view of the future, and we have to teach that to our children. We have to prepare them. uh, And when I say children, in my case, I'm talking about people 50 and under. Uh, (laughs) We have to get the life skills. To succeed through these turbulent times and not lose their perspective about uh, the opportunities ahead.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's, you know, the 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 depression and the the angst, you know, that children, you know, the teenage suicide rates being so high. I mean, and these these children, these kids, literally kids, you know, have the their life in front of them and, and you know so many things can be accomplished but um it's cut short because what they see is um it's just not hopeful. You know, I mean and and um and it's really sad. I, I think that you know we as a society you <laughs> have to meet folks.
1: It really yeah excuse me, King for me because again it is simply not the truth. Uh and and, and I'll give you a simple test. Um, how many people, you know, take the city you're in? I'll will take Phoenix, those where you know where I'm located. Um, how many people did you turn on the the radio this morning or the or or the or the TV and heard someone say, "Hello there," you know? Four and a half million people had a pretty darn great day yesterday in Phoenix. For 325, <laughs> yeah. people, really bad. Nobody says that. And, and so we get this inverted of the world because that's what news has thought they always wanted. And nowadays the business model, not just for news but for politicians and every, everything else, is if I can scare you, if I can make you angry – then you will you will be a you will, my message will appeal to you I can get you as to watch my t v show or I can get you to to vote for me and 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 unfortunately that's a very destructive thing uh for our young people and the only people that are going to protect them is us uh, we as parents yeah. and grandparents have to really be active here and this is my message is all about action. It's, and, and the, you know, in my book I lay out, do these seven things. If you just do these seven things over the, in, over the next uh, few decades, you're going to be way ahead of the crowd. And then my other two books try to take it even further. But that's the, that's, that's the basic message and that's the answer to why now. And I'm, I'm devoting a lot of, you know, my time and that I could be <laughs> spending, I could be spending, uh, texting uh, and I you know and doing other about yeah. <laughs> my personal uh, to to carry this message
0: yeah well, I appreciate you you bringing it forward and and it really is um you know you're casting um a, a wide kind of um Dwarf, you know, to to capture you know as many as possible, and you know, the, and I'm sure the grandkids would love to see more of their granddad around, you know, <laughs> during this time. But um, but you're you're doing it for them. You're doing it for uh, your children, the grandkids, and, and not only yours but but everyone else um, as well. So yeah, really, um, but I
1: I can't do this by myself. Obviously, I can only touch so many people. So I'm asking. You know all of your listeners who are parents or grandparents, and uh, and uh, to and, and everyone they talk to. You know, start with your own family. Uh, start giving them the perspective. of, wait a minute, if you think things are bad now, come, go back, take a hard look at the 20th century. Take a hard look at the 19th, the 18th. You'll see these. Uh, this this is not anywhere near. You we're being sold a bill of goods, and and it's just simply because. Uh, we're not paying attention to not looking at it with perspective. And so we have to offer that perspective.
0: Yeah. yeah it's kind of like, you old know, I walked to school in the snow two miles, you know, back in the day, you know, before um, bunting or any of that sort of thing happened. So, yeah, and it, it is important, you know, to get that perspective. Um, now, one, one of those things, in your, in your book, you, you kind of break down some, uh, of, in part one, the, the forces of change. and and one of those um, forces of change, you talk about innovation and in, in a counter resistance. I'd like to talk a little bit um, about that. Um, so, can you give us, um, kind of just a high level. I mean, obviously, in the book, you go into details, but kind of just a high level um, idea of that particular force and counter force and, and how it plays out.
1: Sure, sure. The, you know, there there are natural laws, and these natural laws are the you know the laws that hold the universe in place, and, and we'd like to think, well, those are out there, but they actually affect each of our lives. Uh, we don't. Tend to think of them every day as natural law, but we, we understand the the principle of every action creates an equal and opposite reaction, and that has a function in nature. You know, it holds galaxies together, and and, uh, and in the case of innovation, and I'm talking about all innovation or any advancement, if you will, uh, there's there's a resistance to it, uh, and and they, they they it always comes with problems, unforeseen problems. We all know that. Any of us that have ever worked anywhere and installed a new system, we know, boy, it's great. Oh my <laughs> gosh, but it's got all the, yeah. or, you know, we didn't happen coming. You know, we, we, we get a wonderful thing like the smartphone and then we realize, holy smokes, you know, it's kind of dominating our lives. You know, we become its slave. So, so, so we have to, we have to, first of all, just understand that that happens. Uh, a lot of people become cheerleaders for innovation and I'm one of them. Uh, Innovation, particularly democratizing innovation, that makes something that was available only to a few available to many and ultimately everyone, is really what's lifted humanity. Again, if you go back and study the arc of history, that's really what's lifted humanity. So, so and a good example is the printing press uh, and the invention of writing. Uh, steam power first and then all the different changes in the way we had power so we weren't limited to what we could do on a horse. Uh, those are the kinds of democratizing innovations. They're wonderful but we all have to learn that's part of the growing up as now innovate, uh, particularly technology and automation plays an important part of our life is always stop and think what can go wrong and am I prepared for that uh, and as systems designers, because I'm still heavily involved in technology, we're we're trying to be better at it too. We're trying to anticipate what could go wrong and counter it as much as possible. Now, why does that 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 dynamic occur? It, it appears it's sort of like nature's quality control system. We innovate, hmm. and then it says, "Okay, you didn't quite get it right." So until you get it right, we're going to slow it down. And, and so we can see that today with, you know, we have this wonderful thing called the internet. We love it. Suddenly we've got predators inside of our house through, through, through the, through the, the internet. Uh, many predators. We see it. Well, we didn't think that through. So now we're inventing something, you know, like blockchain and other security systems that can protect us better. But that's sort of the function that plays in, in, and it also plays that in our own life. Uh, you know, we, we all face adversity, and we want to blame but We think things ought to be smooth. never going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the one thing that I gained most you know, from that particular um, discussion that you had in that book was um, the idea of resistance, um, not seeing resistance as a malicious force, but but actually beneficial you know and there are so many times i mean going through, i mean i i had some of my uh previous you know incarnation as uh, um worked in i t with um banking and, and you know and one of the things that um we, we would see was that um the uh you know the the resistance that would be um, in place to anything that we would, you know, create. And and, and it seemed that it was um, anti-innovation. I mean, it, that it was uh, styming advancement, you know, rather than look at right. it as being that quality control, which is a much more healthy perspective.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it again, it's very important to understand that in our own lives because adversity is your friend. It really is. You, you, it's where you learn. It's where your greatest opportunity is not to learn not to repeat mistakes. It, it's to learn when you're out over the ends of your skis, which, you know, we all mm-hmm. occasionally do. So, so it, it's a very practical application, and that's, that's the kind of thing that I have one whole chapter in the second book, uh, devoted to understanding natural law and how to work with it in your life, instead of thinking that you're being punished or thinking that it's just you know bad luck or whatever. That that it's really most of the time us not acting in conformity to the natural law around us. So um, so it's, it's a good lesson, and we can see it every day if we really pay attention.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is, and um, and again, you know, it, it just if you can change your. Um, perspective on it—it it, it just shifts uh, everything. I mean, it shifts your actions, your future actions, your behaviors. Um, right. But, um, but it's important to recognize that and, you have different perspectives is available.
1: That's exactly right. And that and you mentioned that, Robert. Uh, a lot of times when I you know the the book cover of this book's very unusual because it it shows an elevation sort of a of a of a of a um, an evolution of of mankind going up to to wisdom at the peak and i get all often asked uh, what, you know, how do you define wisdom? I, I don't, and you'd be surprised by the people who actually asked me that question. <laughs> and it would be that they didn't know, but, but I, I well, you know, it's, there, there's a classical definition and it's really quite simple and quite good. It's, it's the art of living well. And the art of mm-hmm. living well comes two components. Having perspective, because when we lose perspective, we simply do not understand the life around us and the life we're living. And secondly, applying that that perspective to everyday life and decisions. That's wisdom. That's simply all it is. And and it can be taught. Uh, we can learn. We can accelerate maturity and wisdom. But we tend to think, oh, well, that only comes with age and experience. No, it certainly helps. But you can accelerate it. Uh, the Greeks did it 2,500 years ago. Uh, and, and we're really quite good at it. We can learn a lot from what, how they did it. Uh, classical education still uses those, those uh, Greek techniques and produces some pretty good outcomes in education. So, so that's a big part of what I'm trying to do here. Living to your potential, uh, is in fact achieving wisdom, which is arguably the highest t- achievement.
0: Yeah, yeah, and on that cover, I mean, the, the steps, you, you begin with data, then it goes information, knowledge, and wisdom. And I happen to notice that it's like, not to get to wisdom, do you see a heart, right. <laughs> excuse me, at the center of the figure, with a right. kind of like a, a, a halo around it. So, it, it, it's like, up to that point, it seems to be, um, rather, uh, I don't want to say cold, but I mean it, it, it doesn't like without feeling. I mean it is more. Um, oh, right. We don't achieve uh,
1: greatest one of the greatest uh, attributes of wise people, and you're welcome to study them on your own. See, but that the the, the one of the greatest attributes of wise of wise people is is empathy, true empathy for mm-hmm. their fellow man and for other people. They can be very strong. They can be very decisive people, uh, be tough when they need to be, but they never lose their empathy for others. And, in fact, it dominates their personalities.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's good to know that, again, one does not have to uh, be aged (laughs) in order to demonstrate. And, And, you know, I have seen some of the wisest Kids, you know, lately. I mean, you know, I mean, it seems that, uh, that empathy and that compassion is, uh, I mean, it just sometimes just pops out, you know, at, at, when I'm looking at, you know, some of these children. And, you know, I, I find it, um, hopeful, you know, I mean, when you were talking about hope versus despair. To me, you know, whenever I see those kinds of, uh compassionate actions by the the really younger generation um that gives me hope and and then you know then you know then we can kind of from that point on you know work towards achieving more of that in, in the world
1: i I couldn't agree more uh, i I surround myself with a with a lot of young people and people of all ages uh, and but but uh, i I have enormous belief in these young people. And, and, but again, going back to we need to act. We parents, mm-hmm. uh, grandparents, uh, aunts and uncles, uh, our job is to help these young people become the greatest generation, even surpassing those that, uh, saved us, uh, you know, in, in World War II. We have to, we have to create we have to prepare these young people because they're going to need everything they've got to get us through this period, uh, as painlessly as possible. Uh, but I believe in them. They're, they're incredible. They have incredible potential and it's our job to help bring it out. And that's part of the reason for the title.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, let's see, we're, we're about halfway through the show already, Ben, so I'm going to take just a, a quick uh, ninety second break. And and then when we come back, you mentioned uh the democratization and, and the effect mm-hmm. that it has on on our activities. So I want to talk about a little bit about that and that and versus or in comparison to the institutionalization. <laughs> this is also um talked about in your book. Okay.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. I'll okay. be back. Okay.
0: Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after the speech break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Block Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc., and we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Ben Lytle, and we're talking about his soon-to-be-released book, The Potentialist, Your Future in the New Reality of the Next 30 Years. And again, you can find out more by visiting his website, which is PotentialistFuture.com. And again, his book will be released, uh, next week, week from today on September twenty seventh. So but you can go ahead and pre order now and it is a very interesting read. So okay, with that we're back then. Thank you. Great. Okay, so um you mentioned in this half of the first show, you know, democratization and and the act of making something available to everyone. And and there was one um quote that I I wanted to be kind of Something to think about, and, and it, it was from you democratization is the action of making something and in total everything available or accessible to everyone. Keep in mind the definition is not the action of making something available or accessible to nice people, but to everyone. So, um, is, that, is that that warning <laughs> of that, uh, you know, you have to kind condo- of be careful of what you wish that's, for?
1: That's, that's- that's distance at work again. So, uh, you're you're exactly right. Yeah. So, So now we, oh,
0: excuse me, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, democratization. So, talk about that. And then you also again um, mentioned um, deinstitutionalization. So, talk a little bit about that
1: yeah so so if you and these by the way are are not my originals uh these are this is based on the work uh of uh uh Alvin Toffler uh from his 19 first book in 1970 uh, Future Shock and two other books uh, 10 years follow um, the third Wave. uh and and so these uh, three books in total but uh so, and then since that time, many other people have referenced it. Uh, you know, the, uh, the futurist uh, Peter Diamandis references this work a lot as well. Uh, but, but it, it's it's and it's we I think of it as a as a as a force of of nature or a force of evolution. Uh, now, you could argue, well, there were just innovative people and they came up with ideas. But, uh, and it could be that. I, and I rather than getting into me what's kind of a pointless argument, I just say, well, it is. Whether it was the innovators came first or the democratizing ideas came first, it, it's up to you. You can decide for yourself. The fact is it has existed. You, you can quickly wrap your head around it if you think, as I referenced a little earlier in your show, of some of the real, the uh, the innovations from the past that did exactly that. They made what was was available to a few, available to many, and then ultimately almost everyone. So, the the invention of writing, uh, the uh, the printing press is a great example for a couple of reasons. Books, uh, up until the the, the uh, invention uh, invention of the printing printing press with movable type, was only available to the wealthy and the clergy. That was it. Uh, and and so but but once that was invented uh and I'm working off my memory here was no isn't always great, but if I remember correctly in only like sixty years or so uh, the the there was something like forty million books i mean, it just exploded that was the level of demand to to have books but but that also triggered other democratizing innovations so that the availability of books created a, a demand for literacy. A demand for literacy created the demand for, for universal education. So so that's how this works. And so you go forward more to more recent times, the Internet, uh, and, and that made so much information available uh, to everybody that had never before. I mean, you would have had to go down to the library and spend hours to do what one good search will do now. So, so you know, incredibly powerful. And then, of course, the smartphone—you uh, know—the most recent, incredibly democratizing uh, innovation. Now, talking about uh, talking about uh, it not being for or, or how it's not available just for nice people. Uh, when when we democratized through the access to information and knowledge through the internet. Uh, it also created a two way street for people who could now connect through emails and of course now text to who are basically predators, trying to figure out some way to scam somebody out of something before if you kind of stayed away from certain you know bad areas you didn't run into those people now they're in your home and, and so that mm-hmm. they, they got them. You know that their their access got spread as well. So that's an example of, of not everyone. Another one, of course, is of the democratization of war. Uh, you know, people can now almost anybody can can make war on anybody else, and and that goes way beyond the way we used to think about it. You know, so 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 these things get democratized. They they always come with that good, but they always bring something we have to deal with. Uh, but dealing with it then ultimately advances us again. So um, so I think that's the, that's, that explains democratization. And another word that might be helpful for people, because it's kind of popular right now, is bespoke. Meaning curated, mm. exact, or me. So that's, that's the force that's at work. We can see it in retail. We can see today we can see it uh, how how you know our preferences are known and so it's easier for us to find what we bought before and all that kind of stuff uh, online. Uh, we can see it uh, in in entertainment how we've moved to streaming. How we once had the the you know the the studios and the agents and the and the and the movie houses the distributors they controlled what we what we could see. Now we have more choices than we can imagine. Uh, and, and so that's another example of democratization. Uh, deinstitutionalization is, is, is based on this, this very important principle, uh, in, in that, that, it, that Toffler wrote about, and it's, and it has to do with the pace of change. So when more and more things become, uh, innovation is democratized, we're faced with more and more choices. I mean, it's wonderful. We got choices, man. It's great, but but it, it's, it demands a lot more of our time, right? And we and we could, but individuals can change very fast. So so we can we can overnight say, okay, cable's out, you know, streaming's in, uh, you know, a taxis mm-hmm. out, oops in, yeah. but but mm-hmm. organization, whether it's a business or if it's a big business like a corporation. Uh, or a really really huge organization that become our societal institutions like government uh uh, uh healthcare uh uh, uh mass, me- mass media news media mass media education they have multiple conti- constituencies they have to satisfy and also a lot of times their business models are dependent on the status quo so they, they're more resistant and even if they want get to get on board, it's hard for them to react as fast. What happens as the pace of change accelerates, and keep in mind it's accelerating because more and more innovations are democratizing, then what happens is these institutions can't
0: keep up. And
1: they more and more start to serve their internal constituency rather than their customers. And so what happens then is that, that gap starts to grow. Uh, and they also get shaky. They begin to, they begin to have a lot of problems. Real easy test if you want to see this. Ask yourself, going back to any of those institutions I just named, and, and I would add, include in that organized religion and others, uh, are any of them more stable, growing, and better respected today than they were 10 years ago. And yeah. I think you're going to say no. Why? <laughs> Did they suddenly all no. get, get useless? No. They, they're not keeping up with the pace at which the world's changing. That's the institutionalization. doesn't mean some cases they'll go away. Some of the big companies we've seen that just disappeared because they didn't uh, blockbuster. Uh, Blockbuster had a chance to buy Netflix for fifty million dollars, and they didn't. And now Netflix is around; they're gone. And and that's purity and institutionalization. That's you're gone. You're first of all you're disrupted, and then you have to you have a chance whether you adapt or not. Some companies adapt. Uh, some organizations and institutions adapt. Others don't. So so. The way I like to think it as far as our, inst- our big institutions that I mentioned, government and education and so forth, there is a 2.0 that they have to become. And that 2.0 is the next version of themselves. And whether how rough our next 20 or 30 years is is going to largely depend on how well they get the message and, and really start embracing the new
0: the new way to for for that institution to function yeah so um with the um recognizing that maybe an institution is out of sync with you know the rest of the the zeitgeist you know what's going on the uh de um is the answer to I mean, is very, what I obviously have to adapt. So, is the answer to creating, is the answer creating better systems, um, internal systems, internal processes, um, to there, deal there, with yeah.
1: rapid. Yeah, no, the answer, Robert, it, it's actually in the book, and it's, and it spells out the six characteristics of a democratized, uh, of a demo, of democratization. What happens? Uh, and, and, and it really starts with, though, every CEO, every leader, president of the United States, the leaders of Congress, uh, the heads of news media organizations, every one of them should be asking themselves, what would my industry or my institution look like? Totally democratized. How would we build that? Mm-hmm. and then look at the six characteristics, and it and it has some very specific things: eliminating middlemen, where people, the the, mm-hmm. the customer or the or the voter or whoever it is, has more direct influence
0: in how things are.
1: Uh, adapting it, personalizing it for your customer. So uh, uh, the clearest example. I give you a couple of examples. I think people can relate to uh, more easily is uh, think about um, uh, retail. What is the ultimate democratization of retail? 3-D printing. I design it. Mm. I build it. I I, print, I I order the materials to put in my 3-D printer, and I print it. Or I go down to the local, uh, you know, little store, little UPS store, or someplace that has that service and has the fancier 3-D printers, and I print myself a custom pair of shoes. That's the ultimate retail. Uh, if you think about what Tesla is doing, Tesla is customizing that individual vehicle to be yours. Again, bespoke. Uh, and, and, and you're buying Tesla, you're dealing with only Tesla, you're not dealing with middlemen. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. And, uh, and so for education, the goal is bespoke learning. I, I can, Hmm. I can learn anything, anywhere, at any time in the world, any place in the world, for a fraction of what it costs today, and I can do it because it knows exactly how I learned. That, that's Hmm. bespoke. Wow, a little something very. Interesting. <laughs> but, it, but it's happening. Right? The thing is, when you understand it, watch it. I mean, if you watch what—not that they're a perfect organization, but—but but, they—they're learning. Is watch the the ride services. You know, uh, Uber, Lyft, these kind of people. They now know you. They know the driver. They're putting you together, and they're learning what you like, and they're learning the driver, learning what the driver likes. They're rating both of you so that the union is hopefully something that works well that's that's the world we're headed into and it's good um, if we do it right They're, as we know there'll be there'll be problems you're going to have to work through problems but that's a part concept when you think about it
0: yeah very 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 much so um like i said your <laughs> your book is very provocative um so uh now i i'm the um on your website you have uh, a, a little tab that talks about the principles, ten principles of um a potential. Um and I like to talk about a, a couple of them, you know, that because they, they tap into some of the um up and coming um things to to be on the lookout for. Like for example, um one of them uh the principles was uh talking about your legacy as a superhuman. And um mm-hmm. The idea of, of, you know, us being able to, um, be in concert with, uh, machinery or, or, these, you know, cyborgs of, a, of a certain type, or a certain degree. So can you tell us about the idea of, um, the whole idea of, um, going, be, uh, of going beyond human expectations sure. or limitations?
1: Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll make a prediction, uh, which is, is not, wasn't as clearly stated in the book, but I'll predict it right now, and that's that in the, in the next two to three decades,
0: uh,
1: almost everything we think about today as a limit of human potential will be upended. It simply will not be the same. Uh, on, on this particular, I've tried to, I, if I had it, uh, you know, I, it's, I, I, this is something that we naturally are scared of, because when you say Android, you say cyborg words like that, um, you know, we get these, these scary images of half, you know, of half human, uh, and more, more automation than human. It, it's really not, it's not, it will, it, it will, um, occur more incrementally than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it already has occurred more incrementally, uh, but it's more making us aware now. Start thinking, you know, being wise enough, how will we use this power that comes our way? Let me, a couple of examples. The the, the internet made us, integrated us more tightly with automation than every, ever in history. Incredible democratizing innovation. Almost everybody in the world now has access to it, and everybody in the world will have access within the, within another five, ten years. Uh, uh, even more so, the smartphone. And and so when we talk, we think forward about being further integrated with the with automation. We need to look back and say, okay, who was I before I had a smartphone? Would I want to go back there? Probably nobody would. On the other hand, have I managed it all that well? Well, probably not so. You know, I'm still learning how to manage it so that I don't, it doesn't enslave me. Uh, I, I, I keep it in its proper role. But it's, we don't think of it mostly as our enemy or we don't think of it, you know, uh, as taking us over, but it can. So, So that's what we're talking about here. There's there's one uh, there's there's a there's one or two uh, auto innovations that are on their way, and it will radically uh, accelerate our power as human beings, uh, if you will, our capability. It'll 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 enhance our potential, uh, just as the smartphone did. Which by the way, if we went back a hundred years, we would have and we carried a smartphone with us that worked. People would think of us as superhuman. If you went back two or three hundred years, you'd probably you burned at stake. So uh, <laughs> with the power <coward. laughs> So, so you know this, is, it's all relative, right? So, so but right. but the, the big thing, the big change, and that, again, I'm an old ex, uh, an old IT guy. I've been involved in information <laughs> technology since I was you know 17 years old. So, so I go way back to the early days, and and I've watched all this occur. One thing that hasn't changed, and it's kind of astonishing if you think about it, we still need, for us, on the one hand, we've got this incredibly power, powerful computer called our brain that boggles the minds of anybody, of its scientists, even today, the power it has. On the other side, we're building incredibly more powerful uh, computers all the time, and computing capacity. And a good way to sort of represent it to ourselves is the cloud, all the things that are out there in the cloud and the internet. Incredible, and it's gonna get more and more and more. The, the connection between those two today, after more than 70 years of, computer, of progress with computers, is still a keyboard and a screen. So I'm limited, my brain's limited by how fast I can type, and how how fast I can and and that's going to go away. It's going to either give way, you know, what's sometimes called natural language, you know, which means if I, all I got to do is speak into it. So it's like super series, you know, Uh and uh, or it, even more uh, more likely, or at some point it will be likely. We'll simply instead of holding the keyboard in our hand, holding the, the smartphone in our hands and typing into it, we'll just wear it on our ear as, a, as an earpiece of some kind, or maybe as a pair of glasses, but more likely maybe an, a simple earpiece or something like that. Who knows? Uh, and and we'll speak to it uh, about what we want. And, uh, and we'll get it. Or we'll at some point perhaps even just think it, and it will happen. Yeah. Uh, directed so, so when that changes, start thinking about that as you. Now, that seems, depending upon your age, you might say, well, that's never going to happen. From that, I don't, you know, I don't even want that. But you look at your your six year old grandchild or your eighteen year old. They're going to live it, and you watch right now what they do. Watch them how fast they are with the with their with their phones. How naturally it comes to them. Watch how they watch little short snackables of, and, and listen to snackables of things. You know, ten, fifteen minute, three minute, two minute. Their brains are being prepared for that innovation.
0: Does that make sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, very much so. And I, and I agree with you that um, you know that preparation. And i and you know I've seen it just when I'm out and about and I you know see. You know, two, three, four year four-year-old, you know, in front of a screen, you know, and, 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 you know, very easily and effortlessly, you know, navigating uh, through the, through whatever it is that they're watching. Um, it, is, it is amazing. They um,
1: us look really clumsy, right? <laughs> we, we all feel stupid.
0: <laughs> you get a no. four year old that
1: can navigate a system better than you can. It's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, but if, but we had screens put in front of us. You know, if they had the capability. We we might have done we might have done it, but but you know, but it is a um, a sound of the times in a way. You know, I mean, it, it's a, yes, it it's the nature of of the current world.
1: Right, and and it, one of the things for all of us that are older than let's say you know older than thirty today, you know, but particularly a, quite a bit older. Is is don't look and immediately judge it's wrong. Uh, Instead, look and say what could be going on here. Uh, What what could be happening? Because it's usually a it's it's one of the ways that you're a futurist. You look for what's coming. You know you you don't you don't immediately assume that it's bad. Uh, You simply observe uh, and say, hmm, Mm -hmm. what, what could that mean? I'll tell you a quick little story. Uh, For for me personally, years before I ever heard of self-driving cars, years, I began to observe that a lot of teenagers weren't interested in driving. A lot of them even didn't get their license. And as a guy who grew up in a a car culture, and I love my cars, still do, uh, I couldn't understand it. I thought, wow, that's interesting. And then, of course, self-driving cars start to become something that's coming. And Uber came out. And it's not the same for those kids. But it wasn't a bad thing, you know. I, I can't really say there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of social virtue in, in loving cars as much as we did. So these kids were headed to a better place, right, <laughs> and not driving exactly. while they're drinking. Those things, you know. So, so anyway, that's a good example.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, gosh, um, we're down to the last almost five or six minutes here. So I, a couple things. Um, you talk about uh, a new reality, and I noticed throughout the book there are a couple of times that um, COVID-19 came into the discussion or into the, the, the reading. Um, and it seems that that, that the, the pandemic created a lot of um, kind of like a starting point of, of a major shift. Um, you know, of things happening. So, you know, like for example, you know, one of the things you talk about in, in the future, you know, the potential list um, is that, you know, the work from home or work from anywhere kind of mentality, you know, um, got a lot of boost during this particular period. So, in your opinion, how did the, Our, our walk through this, you know, pandemic, how did that contribute to what you see as maybe some of those, some of that new reality up and coming? Yeah, uh, um, but thanks for asking that
1: question. Yeah, the, the, if you, again, if you, if you study the arc of history and there's so much to learn there, one of the things that you learn is out of the most horrible times come good things. It's just nature's Mm -hmm. way. It's never and it's never all good. Uh, And and so, for example, out of the great, out of the Black Plague came a huge labor shortage, which forced uh, people, the employers of that day, to start raising wages, and and that led to a better quality of life. And it also led to the the, to what ultimately became the Renaissance, because people viewed life and death very differently. So you can never predict. You know, there's always going to be good coming out of bad times, which is, of course, what I'm saying now. So, so coming back to the pandemic, I, I started writing this book, and, and a couple of things happened from the time I started writing. First of all, uh, it, I started out looking at a 50-year time, time horizon, and it, and it came down to 30 years, and I'm not sure I wouldn't revise it to 20 today if I were redoing it. So, things are happening faster, not slower which is a reversal of where we've usually had with futures. Usually futures were right, but they were way, way, way out in front. The, the second mm-hmm. thing was that uh, that uh, many of the things I was writing about got dramatically accelerated. And my book was already, you know, in, in process of being finalized. And, and, but, but, but many of those things got accelerated. So, so work from anywhere, which is another way, say it another way, democratization of the workforce.
0: Bespoke, Mm
1: -hmm. I mean workplace, excuse me, it's it's Mm -hmm. a bespoke work. I work from where I want to work. Totally changes how we look at retirement, how we look at lifestyles. Uh, And I think, quite frankly, a lot of the people that's saying, well, we have to be together, it's not an all or nothing thing. Some tasks you do, some tasks you don't. Some jobs you do, some jobs you don't. In a bespoke environment, you figure out what you need and what you don't. And for those people that it works better, there's a lot of a lot of great benefits from work from anywhere. It's better for the environment. We don't have commuting. It's better for mental health. We don't have commuting. <laughs> it's better for the pocketbooks. You don't have to have the clothes and the gas and the... You know, so, so there's a lot of good things from it, but, the you know, it, it's right. There's times when people have to learn to get work together, but also the tools of how we work together is accelerating so fast uh, that, you know, in a few years we'll be able to have virtual meetings and it'll feel like we're sitting there together. It'll never be the same. It'll, it'll never be, you know, or not never, I don't like to say that, it, it's hard to imagine. That we would ever totally get to a point where we we could be happy with it being an electronic connection, but we can say a lot of the things we can do uh, that we haven't even explored yet. So uh, I think the, the also medicine. I think we saw a miracle uh, in how fast we were able to produce uh, those uh, those the, those vaccines and the therapies that that uh, mm-hmm. took the death rate and, and that has since launched a whole new area of medicine, uh, programmable medicine that's, that's phenomenal. And, uh, and, uh, and, and the, the CEO of Moderna wrote an incredible uh, story uh, or letter last year, I think it was, about uh, the, the future of programmable medicines and how he sees it. And, and, uh, and I think it's, it's, it, if you took time to, to go down deep, into what's going on in medicine right now, uh, you'd be amazed. Uh, most people would be
0: amazed at what's being being researched. Yeah, that is amazing. Well, gosh, Ben, our, our time has <laughs> come to a close real quick. Um, what what do you hope that the, the reader will take away from, from reading your book? And, and you know, you talked about the new reality of the next 30 years. What what is just maybe one thing that people can do to, you know, start, I guess, in preparation or, or you know, incorporating that new reality into the current reality? Mm-hmm. I, I, n- number one is
1: act. Replace fear with pragmatic optimism. Uh, and teach that to your family. Gain perspective about the times we're in. And, and and where we can go. Uh and, and then last I think uh, replace every other me- measure of success with you against your own potential and and developing your own personal innate wisdom. That's
0: it. Wow. That is great. Well, Ben, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. And like I said, your book is, is very thought-provoking, and, and you've given me more to think about <laughs> after our discussion. So I really want to thank you for your time today.
1: Great. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Robert, for the opportunity. And, and, I, and I wish uh, every one of your readers uh, well and, and, and hope that they have a, have a remarkable uh, potentialist life.
0: Great. Thank you very much. Again, everyone, we today my special guest is Ben, Ben Lytle. We've been talking about his book, soon to be released, on September 27th. Uh, again, you can purchase your advanced copy now. The book is called The Potentialist, Your Future in the New Reality of the Next 30 Years. And again, you can find out more about Ben, his book, his blog, all by visiting his website, which is PotentialistFuture.com. And so, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.